Hey everyone, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you, and I hope that you have some community around you to talk through these truths and concepts with. If you don't have community like that, we would love to invite you to be a part of Restore. You can get all the information about our church at restoreaustin.org. We would love to see you soon at one of our Sunday gatherings, and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Good morning, Restore. My name is Bonnie Lewis, and I am thrilled to be here with you today. Sometimes I get to come and preach, and I absolutely love it. I love your community, and I love your congregation, so thank you for having me. Um, I know we are in the middle of a crazy time, and so it kind of feels perfect that we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we're going to talk about Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34, and the is called Do Not Worry. And for somebody who has chronic anxiety, a pandemic is the actual definition of worrying. And so I have found great solace, and I hope that you do too. Um, one thing I want to say about this passage before we begin is it's about worrying, but it's also about the kingdom of heaven. So one of Jesus's big things that he always does is try to define what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, in order to understand why he does that or why it's important, we have to remember a key thing about the text. Jesus is a Jewish man talking to a Jewish audience. So something we usually do, and by accident, is we think that it's a Christian man talking to a Christian audience. And when we do that, we put our own understanding of the text on it. We put our own American culture on the text, and then we miss a lot of the nuance. So a passage like this that's super rich with lots of layers, lots of allusions to uh, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, um, lots of different words that we can pick out, we miss them because we're only thinking of what it means to us in our context. So friendly reminder, a Jewish man talking to a Jewish audience, not a Christian man talking to a Christian audience, and not a Christian man talking to a Jewish audience. So I grew up um, with the belief that Jesus came to sort of right the wrong that was Judaism, right? Like that he was a Christian coming into the context saying, no, 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 this is how it's supposed to be. But he actually was a Jewish rabbi. And part of what Jewish rabbis did is they put an interpretation on the Torah to illuminate it to invite people deeper into the story. And so what we see here in this passage that we're going to read together today is there a lot of allusions to the Torah, to things that the Israelites and the Jewish people went through that generations and generations ago people actually lived through and then passed down these stories. And he does that because he's reminding the audience, this is part of who you are. And that should be a reminder to us too, because after all, as Christians, we also read the Torah or the Old Testament. So these stories are a part of who we are, and the Jewish context of the text is a part of what we believe. So let's dive in there. We are talking about worry, but we are talking about the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to break it up into a few, and we'll stop and camp out, and then we will move on to the next verses. So let's begin. Matthew 6. Uh, verse 25, and I'm reading from the NIV. 
We're going to go 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And so this text, it's actually pointing the Jewish audience back to the memory of Moses and what happened when the Israelites were freed from slavery and into freedom. And in the middle ground there, before they get to the promised land, they're sort of in this wilderness, this in-between, this liminal space. And what happens when they're in the liminal space is they begin to worry. They begin to grumble. They begin to say, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Where will I sleep? Will my kids be okay? Will I be okay? What will I wear? And how will we get through this? In fact, the text tells us that they grumbled so much that they even said, I would rather be back in slavery than out here in the wilderness, because sometimes when we've been freed from something into freedom and we don't exactly know what freedom looks like just yet, sometimes that middle ground makes us doubt where we're going because back in slavery, at least we knew, at least we knew what it would be like as awful as it was, there was a little bit of habit to it. The Israelites knew where their food was coming from even if it wasn't enough. They also knew they would get it. They would get water. They knew they had a place to lay their heads. And so out in the wilderness, they're questioning this whole freedom thing. And they're like, but I wish I was back where it was more predictable. And so what happens is God says, listen, I am going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you all the food. I'm going to give you all the water that you need. And so he rains down bread from heaven. And this is one of those things I absolutely love about the Bible because I, we read it and we think, oh, that's cute. That's fun. No, no, no. I'm talking like loaves of bread, pieces of bread falling down from the sky. And that's what God does. And he says, I want you to eat and I want you to enjoy. But one rule, only take what you need for today. And so actually in the book of Matthew, as you probably heard preached a few weeks ago, when he is going through the Lord's prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And that also is pointing the audience back to this story of the wilderness because God said, take only what you need for today. And if you take what you need for today, you will have enough. And tomorrow you will have enough. And the next day I will give you enough and so on. Well, so the people that took only what they needed, they of course had enough, but the people that took more that were afraid, that said, I see this good gift and I'm going to take it as my own, their bread went bad. It went moldy. It rotted. The next day it was no longer good. And so the Israelites in the middle of, their, of the wilderness get their first lesson on scarcity and abundance. Because scarcity is the mindset that something good is going to run out. That if we get a gift, if we get a blessing, if we see goodness, surely we can't trust it. 
that we got to take and we have to grab and we have to hide and store away. We see this in the parable of the talents. The master gives money to his servants and the first two take it, recognize the gift that it is and use it and do something with it. And the third one takes it and says, I think my master is a mean man and he is afraid. And so he buries it and he hides it. And so scarcity is what happens when we worry and we are afraid. And so when he says, look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And so he's alluding to this idea of scarcity and abundance, when we worry, we are prone to believe things are going to run out. And so we start to view things as scarce. Now, what happens when we do that is not only do we take things for ourselves, but we take more than we need and it leaves others without. And so when he says, pray, give us this day our daily bread, it's a reminder to pray and to need and to take only what we need for today because it's putting our faith that we'll have what we need for tomorrow, but it's also an awareness that our actions affect how other people get to live our lives live their lives. And so it says the kingdom of heaven, the underlying text here is the kingdom of heaven is like when we come together as a community and we believe that there is more than enough for everybody, that we don't have to take and hoard and bury, but we can use what we need and there's more than enough for everybody to go around. That is scarcity versus abundance. And so I want you to now let's go on. Let's see what else he has to say to us. Uh, verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So I actually love this part because our current translations translate that both when they talk about um, the birds of the field sometimes or the birds of the air, they sometimes translated the ravens. And then also here with the lilies of the field, um, our translations read, look at them or consider them. And that's a very two-dimensional interaction. It is literally looking and observing and thinking our own thoughts and then the journey sort of ends there. But a better way to translate that word in Greek is actually learn from. And so the kingdom of heaven is like learning from everything around us. See, what our mind does is actually our brain is programmed to take in information and then to segregate that information into categories that make sense to us. So we see an object and we say, this is food, this is good, this is dangerous, this is blue, this is white. We categorize it. It helps our brains make sense of the world. It also helps us identify danger and opportunity. 
And so what happens is a lot of times we begin, even in our faith, to look at it in terms of this is holy and this is not. This is where I can learn and this is where I can't. These people are good and these people are bad. And so Jesus points to the lilies of the field. And then in a broader scope, we also see he's pointing to the birds and he says, learn from them. And that blows my mind because it's this big, broad invitation of you get to learn from everything around you as long as you're aware of it. And so the kingdom of heaven is like understanding that the divine fingerprint is on absolutely everything and everyone. It actually dissolves the categories and allows us to see other people as bearing the divine image. Because when we do, when we no longer have these categories based on color of skin, gender, sexual orientation, rich, poor, job description, car they drive, whatever it is, however we've learned to make sense of the world, what can happen with categories is that we no longer believe that people that aren't like us have the divine image. And so this is a reminder that everybody does, that we're all humans, we're all on this journey together, that the divine image is in me as it is in you and in the person that doesn't look like you or me or act in the same way. It sort of dissolves these segregations that we have set up in our brains. And so Jesus says it's actually all one. He says the lilies, the ravens, me, we're all here to learn. We're all here to teach you. And so I want you actually to think back to the wilderness once again. And we see Moses and he's standing and the bush begins to burn. He's in this communication with God and they're trying to figure out who each other are. And the bush begins burning. And the text says that Moses takes off his shoes because it was holy ground. And so the question I ask you is, did the ground become holy? Or was it always that way? And Moses just became aware of it. Oh, that's good because awareness is half the battle. When you learn that these categories no longer work, is, did that person just become holy? No, they had the divine image the whole time. It's that we become aware of it. And so verse 33 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has a trouble of its own. See, when we approach the kingdom of heaven, when we approach God, when we approach our situations with a segregated mindset, or scarcity mindset, it makes a big difference in how everyone else approaches the world. There's a story of uh, Jesus, and he's with Nicodemus in the book of John. And, he's, and uh, Nicodemus says, how can I enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says, well, you have to be born again. 
And then Nicodemus says, well, that's impossible. Do I go into my mother's room? It's like this, who's on first, right? Like Jesus is talking in metaphor and poetry and trying to draw him in. And Nicodemus is like being super literal. We've all had conversations like that before. Um, But they come to this understanding. And what Jesus explains is you're getting it all wrong. See, you're trying to find the kingdom of heaven You are trying to find reasons not to worry and just by not doing it. But I am making a much broader example. So when he says, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Yes, it is absolutely a call to remember, take what we need and only what we need so others can have what they need. But in the Greek, it's also a double meaning. It's also give us our future bread. Because the Jewish people always think about heaven like this huge banquet with more than enough food. This is why we see Jesus all the time with wine and food. And he's at tables and he's at dinner parties. And he chooses to eat with the people that no one eats with. is because he's saying, hey, welcome in. This banquet you're waiting for, it's actually here and now. And so Jesus points when he's talking about worry as he says, ah, you're missing it. When you worry, you want a solution. But I'm telling you when you worry to look for the kingdom of heaven all around. To operate from a mindset of abundance that everything we do can further that kingdom of heaven here and now. When we are scarce, it sends out a ripple of scarcity for those around us. It takes from people who need it. It segregates people into different categories and labels them bad and is good because we're worried and we feel like we need to hold things in. But when we operate from a standpoint of abundance, it opens up the world to all these possibilities. And so my question for all of us is this. We are in this like strange time still But according to the news, it's getting worse and shutdowns are coming and people might not have their jobs. And I remember the first time this happened, I went to the grocery store and there was so many people there and I could not figure out why. And everybody is throwing all this stuff in the carts. People are stealing carts from other people. And I felt like I am in an apocalypse. And over these past eight months, I remembered the meaning of the word apocalypse is an end of the world, but it's a, a revealing within that these types of circumstances where we are prone to worry, it reveals what's already there. Apocalypse means to like pull back the curtain. And so in these coming months, when we are faced with uncertainty, when we are prone to worry, and the curtain pulls back, what will we find? And how can we change it? And so on the next run um, of shutdowns, what are we gonna do when we go to the grocery store? Are we gonna take more than we need and so others are without? Or will we take what we need and trust that we'll get what we need the next go round? And what would it be like to stop categorizing people when we see them? Um, I, like I said earlier, I am a person of 
uh, chronic anxiety. I have done a ton of therapy and um, everything is seemingly way better than it was. Uh, but one of the things that that comes out in is OCD. And I've had OCD when it comes to germs, unfortunately, <laughs> for a pandemic. Um, and one of the things that happens, which... Um, I have heard from a friend happened to them during this time too, is you begin to view other people as a threat to your well-being, right? And so you have this idea of that person isn't safe and I need to run away or I can't help that person or I can't do this thing. And my friend who doesn't struggle with OCD said, ah, I keep seeing everybody as a threat and I'm not used to that. It's because we've been categorizing people in our brains and we did the same thing with the election, right? So what would it be like to make a conscious choice to stop categorizing people based on their gender, their sexual orientation, based on the color of their skin? What if in this time where everybody feels isolated and afraid and prone to worry and scarcity, what if we move toward abundance? We stayed safe while thinking inclusively while loving big, while wondering what we can learn from other people, while trusting I don't need to take more than I need. What would it be like? See, worry comes from a fundamental belief that goodness is going to run out. But as I was studying for this, uh, Amy Jolivine, who's one of my favorite Jewish scholars, she said, the kingdom of heaven is this wondrous place in which we realize that human beings are full of potential and limitless possibility and the way we act and behave. And the kingdom of heaven is this time where the past, the present, and the future sort of all come together and we experience the whole thing at once. And in the world of quantum physics, actually, there is no past, present, or future. It's just an eternal now, which is a different conversation but fascinating nonetheless. And so what if we changed our worry into an opportunity, into a possibility, into the belief that we could step into the kingdom of heaven now, that we could further the concept of heaven for someone else just by the way that we act and by the way that we think and by the way that we look at people and categorize or not categorize, because the truth is, is there are some people who are actually living in a literal hell as we speak, who have lost their job, who have no home, who've been kicked out, who've been ostracized. And so God says, do not worry. If you have more than enough, then let's give it to others. It's not going to run out for you. Learn from the plants that grow, no matter the weather. Learn how they come back every season and do not worry. Take a step in abundance so that others can experience the kingdom of heaven as well. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you. Um, thank you for your promises. Thank you um, for abundance. Thank you for reminding us that freedom offers possibility and opportunity that we don't have to live in slavery of the mind, that we don't have to worry, that we don't um, have to take everything for ourselves, that you are a God that sees everybody. 
that your kingdom is available to us. The ground has always been holy. And our invitation is to step into it. In Jesus' name, amen.